Merkel Media. Hey, everybody, before we get into this week's show, I just want to let you know that I am moving my family from the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area to Tennessee in two weeks. So I'm working like a madman right now trying to get all the shows done for the next month. So I'm good to go. But I just want to let you know that if I do not show up on a Tuesday or a Thursday for an episode, that's why nothing bad happened. I will be back. But maybe I ran out of time for production and things like that in order to make this move happen. So I'm working like a madman now, but I'm just giving you a heads up if by chance, I don't show up on a date and episode supposed to drop. That's why. But chances are I'll be here. But I just wanted to give you a heads up just in case. All right, let's get to this week's show. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it and then disappear. When he came over to me, Dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want to hear more shows on a weekly basis on Thursdays, we release members-only episodes to the website and the app, the Castos app. So, if you want to have access to that, plus all the Tuesday shows ad-free and the overtime segments for the Tuesday shows, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, and become a member today. Thank you very much for being here, everybody. Listen, if you have any inkling of what's going on in the world right now, you're going to want to be prepared. So whether it's through preparewiththeconfessionals.com, that's preparewiththeconfessionals.com, or at your local store with rice and beans and canned foods, make sure you and your family are going to be good to go because just last week, President Joe Biden had stated that there are food shortages coming this year. I would say this fall, you're going to start seeing it on the store shelves. So start preparing now. Go to preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. You're going to get yourself emergency supply food right there on that website that will last 25 years on the shelf. So if you don't really feel the food shortage this time around, you're still good to go in case something else happens in the future. And if you don't want to use it, that's fine. Just go get yourself rice and beans and things like that at the store, canned goods, because you really want to make sure you guys are good to go right now because the inflation's happening as well. So as prices rise, you're going to wish you would have got it yesterday. All right, friends, we did the Dogman premiere, right? Yes, we did. Expedition Dogman was released on YouTube last Friday. If you have not caught it, you can still catch it. It's there for replay, but it is on the Confessionals YouTube channel. If you want to check out the documentary Expedition Dogman, where me and my team went to Kentucky to try hunting down the Dogman from episode 335, Dog versus Dogman, where Kyle tells his legendary experience on the show. That story brought us down to Kentucky, where we went out into the Daniel Boone National Forest looking for this creature. We documented our journey into a documentary available right now on YouTube. Link in the description below of this episode. So go ahead and check 
check it out after this episode if you have not done so yet. It was a really good time with us going out there doing our thing. And I think the documentary turned out great. And I think a lot of people enjoyed it. So hopefully you enjoy it as well. All right, friends, we got Robert coming on the show today. And Robert is somebody who has dealt with alien abductions in his childhood. And the interesting thing is with his abduction scenario that he remembers, he has it confirmed with somebody who was there being abducted as well. And he didn't know this person, but later in life, they reconnected and he was really absolutely amazed that somebody else was able to confirm the experience because they were being abducted as well. So let's get to Robert right now. All right. Today we got Robert on the show. Robert, how are you, man? Not bad. How are you doing? Uh, doing good, brother. Doing good. Uh, so, Robert, uh, you're up there in uh, southwest Michigan, and you're just telling me about the Bigfoot sighting that happened up there recently. And uh, that's a, it's an interesting one because uh, it, tr- it stopped traffic and multiple people called 911 about it. And mm-hmm. uh, that that's what... Those are the interesting ones when you when you get that because it's just like, Multiple witnesses, they all called the police. And so you have on record people calling in hysteria, probably saying there's a giant beast walking around across the road on two feet. Right. And the, the 911 operator is like, uh, it's probably a bear, right? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, the news kind of played it off like a joke, too. It's, you of course. Know, in the local. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way that's the way it always works and stuff. It's like, oh, right. and today in the weird corner today, we have another <laughs> Bigfoot sighting, right? Yeah. So uh um listen, man, you have I have like, I gotta tell you straight up right now, for the last I'd last last 10, 15 seconds, I've had some serious deja vu. Like serious deja vu. Like I I have this image in my head of talking about the Bigfoot with you and seeing and see and seeing you on my screen. And I'm actually talking to you on a different screen than I normally do. Usually I'm on a, one more screen over and I have this whole deja vu thing and I was going to ignore it, but it just kept going. Uh, that's trippy. It's trippy, man. It's crazy. Let me tell you something. Before we get into your story, let me tell you a story real quick. The craziest deja vu experience, everybody's had deja vu, but mm-hmm. the craziest one I had, I was in Texas with Wes Germer from Sasquatch Chronicles and we were doing a live show in Houston. And we were in the hotel room like the night before, something like that. And he was working on some audio and I was sitting in a chair in the room. We were just talking and he stops and he says, man, I'm having some serious deja vu right now. And I was like, dude, I'm having deja vu right now. We were both having the same deja vu. It was the trippiest thing. Uh, I don't know. Matrix much. I don't know. But <laughs> there there was a glitch. There was a glitch. Uh, so listen, you have uh, ET experiences. and when you were a kid, now this is something new for you to be talking about. You were mentioning it before, and you can fill the audience in as well as to kind of how new this is for you to be talking about this. But uh, when you were a child, these things would come and visit you. So I, what I want you to do is kind of start from your earliest memory of how this stuff started for you and then how these experiences progressed throughout your life. And, uh, you know, just take it away, man. Well, it. Uh, I grew up, give you some background, I grew up uh, Southwest Michigan. I never moved out of the area. Um, had a Christian home or upbringing and I uh, had both parents in the home, real solid home life. Uh, two, I was diagnosed with severe asthma. I had allergy induced asthma, exercise induced asthma. Um, and my dad used to joke, you know, you're one allergy shy of being in a bubble. I was allergic to everything. And, um, our house was located, uh, right off the highway on a back country road and behind our house was the woods. And from the time I was, uh, I'll check my notes here. From the time I was about six um, to about the age of 13, um, I would have these asthma attacks in the middle of the night, um, like all the time. And my mom used to come in at two, three o'clock in the morning and you know, kind of soothe me, give me some medicine and stuff like that. And I never, I'm sure some of it was related to, you know, allergy dust or whatever. Um, but one thing I never told anybody until recently, um, growing up from, like I said, from the time I was six, 
on the back of our house, we had a, a halogen light that kind of would come on at dusk and stay on all night. It was kind of a security measure um, because we lived so close to the highway. It wasn't uncommon to get strangers walking up to the house that were stranded. Can I use your phone? You know, just so they never knew who was going to be coming around. So at night, this thing would come on. And about the age of six, um, I can remember the, I remember the first time I was sleeping and I felt this little tapping noise on the window and we didn't have blinds or anything on the back of the window, no curtains cause it faced the woods, you know, there's no, you didn't, there's no need for privacy. And I remember, uh, thinking it was really strange because it was like dead quiet all the time. And I remember I rolled over and looked and the only way I can describe it is you ever watch SpongeBob? You've got kids. Yeah. I mean, I shoot SpongeBob came when I was a kid. The closest thing I can explain to the shape of the head was Squidward. Makes sense. Um, without the nose. Uh, I remember looking over and it had three slits where the nose would be like three slits in its face and just a slit for a mouth. Um, and just these black, black eyes. But what was weird was it had like an inner, an inner light, like it was glowing in the dark almost. And I noticed that the halogen light was off. Well, I'm laying there and I'm petrified and I like hide underneath my covers and pull the covers up over. And I hear this voice in my head that says, um, he's flawed and it was gone. And I scared it, went into an asthma attack and I can remember my mom coming in. And when she came in, he must've been gone because she didn't see him. And she's giving me my medicine and, and whatnot. Well, that started reoccurring, uh, like every, every couple months to the age I was 13 to the point where it would come up and soon as the halogen light would go off, I would panic. I would be like, I knew what was coming. And it wasn't anything that I could talk to my parents about because we came from a strict Christian home. And to them, that type of entity was demonic. And, you know, I'm six, seven, eight, nine years old and scared to death to say anything to anybody. And, um, as it, as it would show up periodically, I mean, it never, it never came in the house. It never, um, attempted to take me nothing. Um, but I would always get that voice in my head that said he's flawed and they would disappear. But I just remember, um, them, I don't know why they tap on the window. Just, I, I, I don't know. Um, but I do know, I used to think that I was having bad nightmares at first because naturally you just put it out of your head. You're that little and you don't think it's real. And our house got broken into one summer. Some, you know, somebody from the highway, we were on vacation, came, looted our house. Well, the police came and they were dusting for fingerprints and stuff and they dusted my window and there was a three fingered print on my window and I about soiled myself. Um, I was the only one that looked at it and went thinking in my head, I'm like, I, I know what that is and I'm not saying anything. And they're like, Oh, you know, you must be a, an amputee, you know, missing fingers, missing. And I, I'm not saying anything to anybody. So I, I carried that through the age of 13. And, um, I think a lot of, because of the constant, he's flawed, he's flawed, he's flawed. It really carried over into my adult life. Um, you get that constant message. Um, but uh, uh, I'm trying to think where I'm going with this now. I've got all these messages. I'm trying to stay in contact with you. And um, and then when I was little, too, I had a friend spend the night. Um, I think I was probably 10 or 11. And it happened in the middle of the night while he was sleeping. And I remember looking over at him thinking, I wish he'd wake up so he could see what I see. And when he came came to breakfast the next morning, he said, man, I had the craziest dream last night. You know, I dreamed that, you know, there was an alien in the house. And and I kind of like sat back a little bit. And he's like, yeah, it was just a dream, though. And how do you it, – it's, it's very hard for a kid to hold that 
in and not be able to talk to anybody about it. Yeah. Um, but it's like I said, I'm just now talking about it because I was explaining to you that, um, you know, I've been talking to a counselor cause I've had other issues, you know, within the last year and, and, uh, finally getting it out and explaining, you know, kind of what, what happened to me. Um, it's very, uh, it feels good to get it out. The only person I've really talked about any experience with is my girlfriend and she hasn't judged me at all. Um, and I'll, I'll get into that later about, um, she's got a friend that she put me in contact with that. I was like, what? Um, but after 13, um, and dealing with all that, uh, I went to, was going through high school and I had like low self-esteem and, and a lot of it was because of the asthma. I couldn't play sports and stuff. And um, the constant years of that, you know, he's flawed, he's flawed, he's flawed. Um, I did develop a group of friends and stuff. And we went to a, a party and uh, somebody broke out a Ouija board, which I am a, I don't recommend anybody ever messing with. You know, I don't understand why they put them in toy stores why they make them so accessible um, because I, I'm a firm believer that they cause a lot of, a lot of damage. And we were playing with it. My best friend and I, um, there was a group of maybe six or eight of us there. And we asked the question, you know, how are we going to die? And it came back car accident. And uh, we kind of blew it off being teenagers and stuff. And then a year after graduation, he passed away. And he died in a car accident. And I'm a firm believer that um, from that point on of using that Ouija board, I think we opened something up because ever since then, I have had a, a, a depressive demeanor to me. I don't know if it there was a spirit of depression that came out of there that attached itself. But from that time up until just this last year, I mean, I have fought depression like nobody's business um just constant negative thoughts and i can remember my parents saying um there's you know what would make you happy and I'm like, i can't think of anything it's like no matter what we do we can pay off all your bills we could buy your house and you wouldn't be happy and i'm like no and i'm a firm believer that my mental state now goes back to the negative reinforcement from the thoughts that i was getting and that ouija board um but uh that's kind of where the mental state I'm at now, but, um, going into my, then I ended up after high school getting married and that's where I went in. I, I started getting into, um, a religion cause I had a religion background, you know, I mean, growing up, I had a foundation, um, but I had a lot of questions going through what I went through. And the only way I could find answers was through the church. And I ended up, I really felt like I had a calling to go in to be a pastoral, in a, in a pastoral capacity. Uh, so I went into that and that's where things really started. Once I gave myself to God and said, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm going to listen to what you're telling me to do. And I'm going to go by blind faith and just let you lead. And that's when things just kind of, just kind of broke loose. Um but, uh, you know, we had I, we had paranormal experiences that I would go with my pastor, you know, with people that were dealing with tarot cards and they had, you know, spirits in their house and things were moving. And and I think from the Ouija board and then into that, it just slowly snowballed into um, kind of where I'm at now in my house. Um, there are. My girlfriend and I were sitting on the couch. I know I'm going through this kind of fast. So if you have questions. No, it's fine. Do, um, share share whatever you want, however you want to share it. Uh, but um, like I said, I'm lucky enough to have a girlfriend now after two marriages that um, I couldn't tell either one of my wives about what was going on upstairs. It was a total mental torture. It's like you want to tell them what this is why I am the way I am, but you don't want to tell them because they're going to think you're nuts. Um but my girlfriend now, uh, we were sitting down watching TV and I don't remember what we were watching, but there's a like if we're sitting on the couch and we're looking at the TV right to the left of the TV is the hallway that goes the length of the house. 
and we're sitting there and all of a sudden I saw a head, a shadow head peek around the corner of the, and I like almost jumped back and jumped off the couch. She said, what's the matter? I'm like, did you see that? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then five minutes later, she saw a full body shadow run on the other wall back down the hallway. And she's like, I saw that. So she packed up and went home. <laughs> she's like, I'm not staying tonight, you know, good luck. So, um, but a couple of days, maybe a week goes by and I'm talking to her on the phone and I'm like, you're not going to believe this. I said, I'm watching. And it was maybe 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So where I live, there's no headlights. There's no main traffic. I live in a subdivision. And from on the wall, there was this black stripe that was maybe 18 inches wide. It started in one corner and moved across the wall in front of the TV because it blocked out the picture and all the way across the wall and stopped. At this point, I'm like, this, this isn't good. And I'm thinking back to the Ouija board and I'm thinking back to everything. It's like, what did I pick up along the way? And um, so I called her and she's like, well, you're scared. I said, no, I don't, I don't feel scared. I just, I'm, I'm trying to, my brain is trying to process this like, looking to see if, you know, maybe I left the microwave door open and the light was, the door was opening and the light was trying to troubleshoot it. And I cannot figure out what's going on. So another week goes by and the same thing happens, but only when it goes to the end of the wall, it continued to the front door and it changed into a human shape. Now, now I'm freaking. Yeah. And um, so I, I left, I went and stayed at a hotel because I just, I, I didn't want to provoke it. I don't want to talk to it. I don't want to communicate with it. I don't want to, I don't want to do anything. Well, some time goes by again, and I'm talking to my neighbor who has lived in this area since it was developed. And I'm just talking and she goes, and I asked her about the previous owners because I met the wife and she goes, well, you know, his husband died in the house. And I'm like, what did you say? And she's like, he died in the house. She was out planting flowers. And he had a heart attack in the bedroom at the end of the hall, and he was trying to make it outside to let her know he was having trouble, and he died in the doorway. And my skin just went cold. I mean, I'm like, I mean, how would she know? And I, to me, that was just like a confirmation of I wasn't imagining, I wasn't. So I I haven't had anything happen in the last couple of weeks, and uh, the only thing that that has occurred is my daughter, uh, her bedroom is upstairs and she come out one morning or one night and said, I'm not sleeping in my room anymore. And I didn't tell her what was going on. And I'm like, well, what's wrong? And she goes, there was a witch coming in my window last night. Really? And how old is she? Right now she's 14. This is what happened last year when she was 13. Okay. And she's like, there's a witch coming in my window. And I'm like, what? And she's like, there's a witch coming in my window. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she goes, well, somebody with a black hood was standing outside my window and was blocking out the light. And they were knocking on the window trying to get in. So I went out there. I didn't see anybody. And she goes, I don't want to. To this day, she won't go. In. She moved all of her stuff downstairs. She wanted me to build her a, a bedroom in the basement. She will not go in that room. And I still don't know what it was, if it was another um another uh, entity or what it was but she is she won't won't go in that room won't have anything to do with it has she ever tried i mean i'm assuming this is the the answer is no but have you ever had her try to sit down and draw what she saw Mm-mm. no i probably should um is she willing to talk about this with you or is it something that she doesn't like talking about she won't even if you mention it she just she's like i want to talk about it and she'll leave Um, she's pretty, she's an internal person. She's not a real, she's not a social person. She's kind of introverted, but, um, it was enough to get my attention. And, uh, my, my boy has never had a problem here, but, um, I just thought it was coincidental that I was having issues. And then all of a sudden, because they don't live here full time, they live with their mom. So they come every other weekend. And, uh, so she wouldn't have the exposure that I would have. And it just so happened that night 
But, Man, that's rough. Right. Um, and I've also had uh, times where we were in there sleeping, and uh, well, you've heard of sleep. Well, I know you've heard of sleep paralysis. Yeah. But I can remember sleeping, and about 2 o'clock in the morning, I wake up, and I literally, I could smell like a rotten, rotten meat smell, and I, I could feel breath on my face, but I couldn't open. I don't know if I couldn't open my eyes or I didn't want to open my eyes. I just, I've never felt that much terror in my life that there was something right there, right outside my face that I think if I would have opened my eyes, I think I would have, I've been terrorized. Um, but I, I, my first thought was to roll over and wake her up. I couldn't, I couldn't roll over. I, I was the literal t- frozen with fear. I just, I couldn't, couldn't do anything. I could smell it and I could feel the heat from the breath on my cheek and I could not, could not roll over. I couldn't say anything. I could tell her about it the next morning. Um, but I, I did and not to go back and I'm, I'm horrible at telling stories. Yeah, you're, so doing I fine. But, you're doing fine. But, um, when I was when I was younger, when I was a, a, a child, during that time, I started having these dreams. Uh, well, it wasn't dreams. It was a dream over and over and over again um, that uh, I was in. Well, I was actually. I don't know how to describe it. I had like a metal cage around my head, like a like a cube almost. And it sounds really weird, but I had this cube and. I remember the devil standing in front of me with a scepter and he kept telling me, I'm going to destroy you. And I remember thinking if I make a run for it, there was like a wall of fire around us. And if I could make a run for it and get through the fire, I would be safe. And he, I remember him saying, go for it, you know? And I would make, and every time I would run up to the wall of fire, it would engulf. It would just, and I couldn't get through it. And I had that dream, I hundreds of times. All growing up, I would wake up in the middle of the night with night terrors and sweating, and and then for a couple of years, probably about ten years, it went away. I didn't have anything. And then first time I was married, it reoccurred again. And now lately, it's been. I've been having the same dream probably the last three years, probably about three times a week. And um, probably well, in the last last couple of weeks, I've been having this, instead of running up to the flame, I walk through it and I come out the other side. So, wow, yeah, it's, it's kind of like. Let me ask you, you know, a question. Let me ask you a question with this. Um, I can't remember if you said this on the show or if you said it to me in private. So I'm just going to hint at it. You let yeah. me know. Uh, when did you start talking about your experiences with people? With people? Like professional. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can say, I don't care. I, I'd see okay. a, a counselor. Just, yeah. um, I, I don't know if you said it or not on the show, but... You, no, and, and I just don't... To, just this to, is therapeutic for me so this is i mean i'm I'm an open book um because when i was younger i think i was eight years old i was molested by a like an older babysitter she was probably in her 60s um so like i said i have a lot of issues that i bring to the table and so he's really earning his money at this point you know (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure um but but uh, when did you start seeking help from a counselor and just to let the audience know, in case you haven't said it before yet, you have told your counselor uh, yes. about all this stuff. So, um, and they, and that that counselor even suggested that it would be a good idea for you to share with somebody Absolutely. Who's not to be judgmental. And that that's why, yep, that's why I decided to do this. Um, I've been talking to him for about a year. Okay. And when, so this is all still fairly fresh. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'm I'm, try, I'm trying to follow this thought process that I have right now. Uh, you've been talking to him for about a year. Mm-hmm. And you just started having the dream a couple of weeks ago, you said, where you're actually walking through the fire? Yeah. Okay. When did you start feeling like you're ha- you're having a turning point uh, with all this stuff? Or have you even had a point where you feel like you're, tur- you're turning a, re- a corner, at least mentally? Because here's my, my, my thought. Uh, you've been having this dream your entire life. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's this this character of the devil in front of you, and, and what was he saying to you again? I, I can't remember. All the only words he said was, "I will destroy you." Okay, and so, 
So I, I'm my thought was like I said, I thought I had a call. I felt like I had a calling to be a pastor in a pastoral capacity, and it was really strong. And I'm I kind of correlate that to that. Like I don't want you fighting on his side. I'm going to destroy you. I'm not going to allow you to work for God. That's the way I perceived it. I, I think I think it could be perceived many ways. I, I think there's a lot of messaging that could be happening there. Um, because like for me, hearing your experience, I I had this image and this thought in my head that the cage that was around your head meant it was w- symbolized mental enslavement. And I, I feel like you uh, spent an entire lifetime enslaving yourself alone in a cell mentally where you couldn't share what you knew, you couldn't share what you experienced to people. And recently you started having a different dream where you're starting to walk through that fire. And I, I if, you ha- if it hasn't happened yet, there might, I, I just had this sense and I'm not a counselor. I'm just saying, I feel mm-hmm. like you're either about to, or you have started turning a corner mentally where maybe things would hopefully start getting better for you. But it's just, I find it really interesting that the dream has changed recently. And I had this feeling when you told me that the cage around the head, it made a lot of sense to me because of how you grew up having all these experiences and not being able to tell anybody. It had to be very lonely. It it, it was very, very lonely. And uh, there was times in school that uh, because I was so sickly, I was underweight, I was on a lot of medicine, um, I couldn't, you know, drink milk. So I was uh, very undernourished and it wasn't due to my parents' fault. It was all medical um, that I did. I got picked on. I got bullied. Um, at one point I got shoved in a locker and urinated on. Um, so there wasn't a lot to be happy about growing up. Um, but to answer your question, I probably in the last two months, um, I think I felt like I've turned the corner where things are starting to um, better outlook, better mental um, reasoning, better um, better vision of life. Um, you know, I'm very grateful for the kids I have. I'm grateful for most people wouldn't say it, my ex-wives because I've learned a lot from <laughs> from two marriages and and my last wife. We're we're still really good friends. You know, it wasn't a bitter divorce. It was we just knew it wasn't going to work and. We still co-parent. We still talk every day, and and uh, I'm lucky enough to have a girlfriend that is, gets along with her. So we all get along. You know, it's just it, it all works out the way it's supposed to work out. But I think God is watching out, and He knows how much you can handle and how much, and He puts people in your life, whether you know we were married or not married. But you know, she was in my life for a reason. There was something I was supposed to learn, and you know, we were supposed to provide each other, and. Um, you know, it, it did work out that way. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that, that I've deal with over the last year, losing my job. Um, you know, I've got family issues that I'm dealing with. Um, it, it was very, very going through the divorce. It was just really, really, it was a bad, bad year. Um, but I, I do think that the, the starting out when I was younger, um, the connotation of he is flawed, he is flawed, that I put it off for so long and just buried it deep down inside um, that it it just sat there like dormant. And then it really, it start, I started remembering a lot of that stuff when my daughter was younger. And like I said, she would watch SpongeBob and I couldn't figure out, it's like, why does the show bother me so much? I wouldn't let my wife buy her any SpongeBob toys I hate it. If she watched SpongeBob, I had, because every time I looked at that Squidward, it it was enough to remind me of what used to knock on the window. Um, but with my girlfriend now, and this is where it comes full circle. This is really, I, I don't even, I can't even believe it still blows my mind. But when I was explaining to her what was going on and she says, well, you know, my friend so-and-so, you should talk to her. And I'm like, why? And she goes, because she's had an experience too. So I've met this woman maybe three times before and I finally called her and we had a talk and she goes, did you live in a, and she described my house. And I'm like, yeah, how would you, how would you know that? She goes, since I met you, you looked familiar. And I'm like, 
she never looked familiar to me. I never knew her a day in my life. And she goes, I couldn't put my finger on it. She's like, then all of a sudden the color just ran out of her face. And she goes, oh my God, I know, I know where I know you from. And she just described my house. And, and she goes, you used to get visitations in the middle of the night. And I went, yeah, this is what I'm explaining to her. And she goes, I used to see you when you were a kid because they used to take me. And I'm like, holy crap. And she goes, they, she goes, I would wake up in the, in the morning and I would have like three dots on my wrist that were in the shape of a triangle. And my parents used to think that I was putting like pen marks on at school and they used to get mad at me because she was like, you shouldn't put ink on your skin. And she said, but they would, they would abduct me. They would come in my room and abduct me. And she goes, and I used to tell my parents and, and they just thought I was imagining things. She goes, but I remember your house. and I remember them knocking on your window. She goes, I was in the woods. It was me and three other kids that were, watching watching them walk up to your house and she described the back with the porch and everything and she goes and i could see you in the window that's how close i was and i mean my skin just crawled and to this day she won't she won't even talk to me now because she buried that so deep down that she doesn't even want to she doesn't want to remember it she doesn't want to deal with it she doesn't if if i'm over there and she's talking to my girlfriend you know, you know, we'll invite her over. And she's like, if if I do, I don't want to talk about, I mean, she's traumatized, like really, really traumatized. And she's like, I couldn't put my finger on it. The first time I met you, she goes, you look familiar. And I, and we live in two different States. And she goes, she started describing my house. And she goes, that's where I know you from. And she goes, I just, I find it hard to believe that we're actually meeting up after all this time. That's incredible. Right. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, but, um, can I ask you, did she, did she live in your neighborhood as a kid and she moved away or did, mm -mm, so they were abducting her from wherever she, she she lived in Northern Indiana. She grew up there with, with my girlfriend in Northern Indiana and I've always lived in Southwest Michigan. So we would have had no contact whatsoever. None. So they, they, they were like, it was like, um, it was like a, a truck route, you know, every day is the same thing. So they stop, get her, they stop by your place. And it is like a routine. I, I, I don't know if she was there every single time they came. Okay. Um, but I know at least one time and for whatever reason, she remembered me. Wow. I, right. So I've tried to talk to her again, kind of pick her brain and she just, she doesn't want to, it was enough to spark the, the fear and, and, she tells her all the time. She, I wish I'd have never talked to him. I just, I just wish I never talked to him. She goes, now it's back in my head again, and I'm always afraid they're going to show up. And but she said she hasn't had any issues since she was a kid, but now she's afraid again. That's crazy, man. That's freaking bonkers. Yeah. That's bonkers. Right. Uh, what are the odds that your girlfriend's friend was being abducted, and then part of the abduction is? stopping by your house and she remembers you from that that that's insane that it's, and I, it's know she wasn't like, I know she wasn't lying the look on her face i mean if you've ever seen anybody that you know saw something that just shocked them beyond that just blew their mind i mean the open mouth the color just running out like oh yeah it was um it was a moment that i thought she was messing with me she was making fun of me and then her reaction was kind of was was genuine. It was actually genuine. It, it and almost how would she describe my house? Never. I mean, I, she's never seen any pictures or anything from when I was a kid. I, there's no way she could describe it. That's what sealed the deal for me. Yeah, it it makes you feel almost like there's something that's not random about this later exactly. in life. Not that experience. Forget that. I don't know what the heck is going on there with alien abductions. Everybody, you know, everybody asks me, what do you think? I don't freaking know. But right. right now, it leaves you feeling like her being in your life to whatever extent it is through your girlfriend, it doesn't strike me as random. Even though you want to say it's random, it's like, oh, what a coincidence. It doesn't feel that random to me. I don't know if anybody listening to your story feels that way. Uh, I don't know if you feel that way, but it just gives me this sense of almost as if like there's an attractive nature to this, where it's like some of these people might be attracted to each other, no matter how far apart you are, you're going to find yourselves back near each other again. 
And maybe there's a reason why she was abducted that night and they're looking to abduct you before they called you quote unquote flawed. You know, maybe there was something about you that fit the puzzle that they were putting together with her. I don't know. It, it's very strange though. I mean, what, do, what do you think? Do you think it's just completely random or do you think there might be something else to it? No, I think because it happens so regularly, like so many times over, you know, seven years. Um, I don't think it was random at all. I um, mean, and, and they never came like, can't say they came like every Thursday, every month or anything. And, you know, sometimes there would be a month gap and sometimes there'd be three months gap. Um, but I, I feel like there's a, a thread. I guess that's the best way to put it. That the, like there's a thread between her and I that is non-visual that I don't know. I mean, to this day, if I look at I don't have any, I don't feel like I have a connection to her, but there's something that that makes us uh, something that we have in common that we can't see that you just can't put your finger on. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it, it really has a and I, I've talked about this before on the show and I don't I don't have a firm grasp of understanding of it. I don't think a lot of people do. So I feel comfortable talking about it, knowing that. But the quantum level, the quantum realm it make, it gives me that sense because one of the things that i've heard described with the co- the quantum realm is that you could have like an atom you know in philadelphia pennsylvania and another atom in san francisco california but on a quantum level they're still connected like i'm saying i should have said if you split an atom in half if, mm-hmm. and so physically you're looking at it and it's two different you know two different pieces now one's on each side of the country but on a quantum realm they're still t- attached to the point where if this atom over here in Philly does something, the simultaneously the one in San Francisco will do it as well. So some, there's some kind of string or cord attaching these things on a quantum level. And it, it just makes you feel like what you just described made me feel like it, it's almost like a quantum entanglement, quantum attachment. It's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Right. No, I agree with that 100%. Um, I think there's a, uh there's forces out there that we can't see and that we don't understand. And I mean, even in the Bible, it says, you know, there's things that, that you won't understand that man will never understand. And I think that's, that's part of it. I mean, I've never had an experience with Bigfoot. I've never had an experience with Dogman, but I have my beliefs and my theories as to why they're out there. Um, You know, I've gone back and forth with family and, friends and stuff. And, you know, nobody's going to convince me that they're not there. Um, but I, I, my, the hardest part for me right now is when my kids were little, you know, all kids are afraid of monsters and stuff. And I just had to talk like maybe two years with two years ago with my kids after they got a little older. I was like, you know, I told you, I said there weren't monsters. I'm like, there's monsters. You're old enough to understand there are monsters out there. I'm not going to lie to you. And I said, you know, I told him about, um, you know, the, the Bigfoot sighting that we had up here. And my boy was like, oh, that's, I'm like, prove to me that it's not. You know, there's no, I mean, I understand with the, the Nephilim and the falling of the angels and mating with the, I, I'm a firm believer in that, that whole theory that it could be a race of fallen angels and the residual effect of all that. I, I believe in all that. Um, but I don't want my kids growing up thinking that there's not forces out there because they need to be prepared. I mean, I'm not just going to tell me others boogeymen, but I just tell them keep an open mind because once you go through life with a closed mind, you're going to be surprised at every turn. You have to have an open mind. Have you told your kids about your experiences? Uh, they know about the dream. Um, and they know, they know about the, the shadows, but I've never told them about the, the alien, the visitation from the ET. Yeah. I I mean, I'm one, I imagine if you were afraid to tell your wife, then I imagine there's still nervousness about telling your kids because if it gets back to your wife, she might be like, you're not seeing your dad anymore. (laughs) You know? Exactly. I have to pick and choose my battles. Yeah. Um, I mean, one day though, one, one day though, when they're old enough, I mean, you could tell them and, and 
if if you want to, it's, it comes up in conversation. You're like, listen, this is why I believe that you can't rule anything out because this is what I experienced. You know? Oh, absolutely. And I and I've had you know my daughter. We've watched TV shows, and she's like, aliens aren't real, and I'm like, you know, they are real. You know, the Bible says that we are not to keep throwing religion in it, but. The Bible says we are created in his image. It doesn't say that we were the only ones made. It just says we were created in his image. There is no reason that he couldn't have created. He could do anything he wants. He could have created a whole other race out there. And nowhere in the Bible does it say we are the only ones in the universe. So yeah. good, bad, and different. Not saying I'm right or I'm wrong. I'm just saying I'm keeping an open mind to. Yeah the possibilities of God. He could, he could do anything he wanted to do. And, and, and honestly, man, that's, I think the best way to go about it. And that and paranormal ET, Bigfoot dog, man, whatever you want to talk about aside, uh, when it comes to somebody who is a theistic person who say they believe in an omnipotent God, uh, the worst thing you can do is to put that omnipotence of that God in a box for your own comfort. You, Absolutely. If, 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 if that God is so big that the Bible says it's impossible for you to comprehend, then what makes you think you can comprehend any feasible action that he might want to take? You don't. And so, so uh, uh, that's, that's the way I look at things. People ask me sometimes about how I, you know, uh, uh, you know, makes sense in my mind about the alien idea and being a Christian. It, for me, it's not even an issue. It's not even an issue. Like, could aliens be demonic entities? Sure. Why not? But could aliens be something from an interdimensional galaxy far away or come here? I why like we can talk about like how long it takes for something to come through space and is it even possible they came from somewhere else that physically in, in in the universe, not talking interdimensionally. We could talk about all that stuff. But the idea of an intelligence being on another planet somewhere far off in our galaxy or another galaxy and stuff uh, to say on a theistic level, it's impossible because God wouldn't do that is basically saying you understand all motives that God could ever want. If God wanted to do it, he'll do it. And he doesn't need to explain himself to you. And, right. and, and that, and that's just, that's how I look at it. I mean, like, honestly, like there's a lot of people out there that believe that aliens are demons and, and I'm one of those people in a sense where I do believe that some alien interaction, ET looking interaction is more demonic than anything else. Uh, but for me to say it, all of it's 100% demonic, I'm very cautious to say that because it, that, again, would be putting my theistic God in a box that I believe is so big that I can't comprehend them. And it's like, well, that doesn't make sense to do that then. Right. And by nature, we are, we're curious. We want to know. And I don't think there's anything wrong with looking into it, but I think with me personally, I have to keep myself in check because you could dive into it so deep that you forget about what's going on day to day. It actually causes division between uh, what you're trying to do day to day, keeping your faith, keeping keeping your eye on the prize. And it's easy to get diverted into really focusing on trying to figure something out that doesn't really affect your day to day. It draws your attention away from what's important. That's and right. That's, that's that's you know the way, yeah no i totally agree that's the way i feel about flat earth like <laughs> I, I i like i'm just like i mean there are people out there that believe in flat earth and it's changed their life for a for the better they're a better person today than they were yesterday because they 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 started believing in the flat earth and it, they became a more pleasurable person to be around and and all that right and i and it's awesome uh but for me i'm just like this if the earth is flat and i find out tomorrow the earth is flat I'm going to wake up tomorrow and still have all the things I had to do tomorrow on the docket. And it's not like, I don't, I don't see it changing my life one bit. So I'm, I don't, I don't really care. Like, I just, <laughs> I just don't care if the earth is flat, if it's a globe, if it's a bowl so that we can have the flat earth plus the hollow earth theory. I don't know. Like, I, you know, it would only change how deep I dig a hole. That's the only thing. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to fall through. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I, I totally hear you. Now, um, with, with these experiences that you went through throughout your life, I mean, we have the, the paranormal stuff with the Ouija board that kind of entered. It seems like the Ouija board uh, gave you a little bit of a transition period in your life where you, you not only had ET interaction, but now you were dealing with more spiritual stuff as well. Is that how you view it as well? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I wish I would have never, never touched it. 
Um, because like I said, from that point, I can, I can trace it back to that point that my whole demeanor, I went from, um, like I said, I had self-esteem issues, but having friends in high school, I kind of put a mask on, if you will. You know, I had friends and stuff and, and I was joking around and stuff, but deep down I was, I was hurting. And, um, and I think I can trace it back to that point. That's when it all I started having relationship problems. That's why I had two marriages that didn't work. And I had trouble hanging on to a girlfriend. It's like, I always, um, I would never trust people because of everything that happened in the past with the babysitter, with um, being told I was flawed time and time and time again. And as, as twisted as it sounds, this sounds really weird, but I remember telling the counselor, I'm like, he's like, well, how did that make you feel? And I said, I said, I was kind of torn because I wanted to know why they wouldn't take me. Why am I flawed? You know, why aren't I good enough to, and not that I wanted to go because I didn't, I mean, they scared the crap out of me. But when I got older, I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, what was wrong with me? Why, why wouldn't you take me? I'm not good enough to, to probe or I'm not good enough. To, <laughs> you, know, <what? laughs> you know, you just, you start doubting everything. Your self-esteem is so low and it's, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. You know, so you're even questioning the bad things. Why aren't I, you know, what's what's wrong with me that you won't even treat me bad, you know? Why won't you do the butt stuff with me? <laughs> right? <laughs> That's so funny. No, but you, do you, I mean, I'm assuming you made the connection that the flawedness is the asthma. Yeah, I, I'm 99% sure that that's what it was. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I'm glad you, you told us about the asthma because when you said flawed, that's, I mean, to me, that's a no brainer. I mean, yeah, if, if there's yeah. respiratory issues with your body, uh, you you have a flaw that they wouldn't be interested in, I'm sure. And right. so, I mean, uh, and it's not even that major because many people, but it's the same thing. with. I don't think you can have asthma and be in the military. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of qualifiers for the military. Oh, that, absolutely. I, I mean, tried. I tried after high school to get in the Air Force. And I made it as far as the first couple of weeks of boot camp. And then it started showing itself and I got dismissed. Yeah. But um yeah, I'm ninety-nine percent sure it was it was the asthma. I could I can't think of anything else that it would be, but um I just I never understood why they would why why they thought anything would change for years. They just and I, they would tap on the window and I would see that glow in the window and you know I could see their head moving. I could see the nostrils flaring, all three of them, and um, they would have their hand on the glass, and I would instantly go into an asthma attack, and my mom would hear me gasping for breath, and without every time they come in, he'd be gone, or it would be gone. I don't know if it was he or she, but um, yeah. So they never, and I never, and she's like, I don't. They would take me to the doctor. It's like well, he has these asthma attacks all the time. You know, we're doing the anti-allergen pillow. We're doing all this other stuff, we're giving them this medicine. And, you know, how am I going to, as a six, seven, eight year old, how am I going to explain? Well, it's the people at the window. You know, like, I already had enough medical problems. I didn't need them to think I had mental problems too, you know? Yeah. But um, it was, it was very, uh, very alarming. And I don't want to say I got used to it because I don't think I ever got used to it. I was expectant of it because I could hear, I remember the light would go off. That would be the trigger. As soon as the light would go off, because the light never went off unless they showed up. And I would hear the rustling. I had leaves outside my window. I would hear the the shuffling in the leaves. And then all of a sudden it'd be like, just like if you took like something like a, I don't know, like a nail and tapped it. It was just a real sharp little tap. And I don't know if they were trying to wake me up or if they wanted to see if I would interact. I never, never left my bed. I could see them, but I part of me was like, I don't want to give them the satisfaction of knowing that I'm scared or if I hide long enough, maybe they'll leave me alone. But I would always get that mental, mental message of he's flawed. And then they would go. And that was, I mean, it was nothing exciting, nothing, you know, I can't say that, you know, I levitated in my bed. I can't say that, you know, I saw little people running up and down the hall. It was nothing like that. It was very uneventful, but it was enough to scare the living crap out of you you know 
and uh, to carry that your whole life and um, not be able to talk to anybody about it or find anybody that can relate to it. And that's when I started listening to this podcast. And I'm like, I feel like even though I've never met one person except for you that's associated with a guest or anything, I, I feel like they're almost like a, a, a family because anytime I'm feeling, you know, like I'm carrying this thing that nobody will understand, I can listen to the podcast and know that there's other people out there that can relate, even if it's the smallest thing, if they saw a UFO, yeah, they saw something that most people didn't see. And, and, um, you know, it's a, it's a common bond. It's a, it's a brotherhood. And, uh, it, it, you know, like I said before, I just want to thank you for having me on just because it, it gives me a chance, even though I probably didn't present it well, I'm not a very, no, you did very presentful person, but, um, just to expel it and get it out of my system and, and feel free to, um, let people know just my experiences, even though they're not that exciting, but um, it does me a lot of, lot of good. And I appreciate you giving me the, the um, opportunity to do that is it, it it's going to be exponentially. It's going to be great for me. Right, well, I agree. And, and, you know, I, I find it interesting. You describe you along with the people who have been on the show. It's like a brotherhood and I've never thought of it that way. And it's really cool to hear you say that because I, it is. It is, it is like that. And not even just the people who've been on the show, but also the people who listen to the show that have gone through similar experiences that just haven't gotten to reaching out to me yet, or they're nervous about it. Uh, it, it is a brotherhood, you know? And uh, it, it's really cool to hear you say that. Um, and as far as, as far as you sharing, I think you did great, man. And that's, that's the thing about this show. I mean, the show is everyday people you know, coming forward to share their experiences. Uh, you're not an actor. Trust me. I don't got those deep pockets to pay people, people pay people to come on my show to make up stories and act it out and stuff. Uh, it's just, you know, I started the show in 2017. I had a list of people that I, I wanted to talk to that I knew of, and I was able to put out some shows, uh, from back, you know, week to week to week. I think I had a list that would have lasted me, uh, maybe two, three months. And, uh, after doing the show, people started listening. They started contacting me, and that's how the ball, the ball got rolling. And here we are, almost five years later. And I'll tell you, we were, we're well. I guess I'll tell the whole audience. Um, I, I, we're recording this in September of 2021, and uh, between this month and the end of the year, I got like 150 interviews I have to do. Uh, wow. it, it, it's just there's tons of people who contact us to talk about their experiences. And it, it's just like, it's mind blowing to me to see how far the show has come along and what good it's doing for people. I mean, you shared it on the show and you've told me before we even started recording that th the show has done some really good things for you. And, um, and I love that about it. I really do. And I, I'm just, I'm stunned that Tony Merkel was able to, to, to build something like this because <laughs> I mean, I suck, man. I, I I'm not good at, at building things. I, I love building things. I'm an entrepreneur, but I've never been able to build anything successfully until this. And I'm just very grateful. And I'm, I'm glad you came on, man. I, I really am. Cause I mean, when you contacted me, it, it was about something completely different. I forget what it was, but, uh, you, you emailed and you said PS at the bottom of it. And, uh, uh, actually let me put, let me look at your email here real quick. I, it, it says, um, uh, let's see here. You were, oh, you were talking about the, uh, some kind of select selection process. Um, I, I forget, but it was just, it was something completely different. And then at the end of it, you, you said, PS, I do have an alien, uh, uh, visitation testimony that lasted from ages six to 14. If you're interested, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm interested, you know? So, um, it's just really cool how things come together. And and you're not the only one that's done that. There's been several times where people will, you know, the, we, we send out a monthly newsletter and people sometimes will email the newsletter. So they get the newsletter and they reply to that. And we get that. And they'll, they'll comment something about the newsletter. Like, you know, Hey, I saw you on whatever show and that was really cool, whatever, whatever. And then they'll say, and by the way, uh, I've been having Bigfoot activity on my property for the last 10 years. If you'd like to hear about it, just let me know. I'm just like, <laughs> What do you think I'm doing? Like, like, what am, what am I doing here? You know, like, of course I want to hear about that. <laughs> you know, 
So I went grocery shopping yesterday and, you know, I washed my hair, took up by the way, Bigfoot was in the backyard and <laughs> I ended up, uh, you know, seeing him mowing the yard. And, yeah. So it, I get it. Yeah. And so, um, it's just really cool to hear from people. And, and I, and I like the fact that we have a show where it's just everyday people coming forward because I think, uh, the listening audience, and I can, I can only assume this, you guys are listeners, so you would have to tell me, but I, I think the, the listening audience has a better chance to relate to people who are just everyday people coming forward to share their stories versus, you know, Oh, uh, Keanu Reeves came on the confessionals to tell his story. And last week it was Katy Perry. And, you know, just, you know, right. people who are already untouchable, you know, it, it, this show brings everybody to this level of, it's just like, we're just normal people talking, you know, and sharing our stories. And, uh, I love it about it. And I'm glad you really, I really am glad you contacted me to be on the show. Well, I, I was, I was very nervous before we started. I'm a very, I, I'm very protective of my emotions and my, my feelings and, uh, you're one of those people that can draw it out. And I think that's where a lot of your, you're very easy to talk to. And I think that's where a lot of your success comes from. You're not, you're not intimidating. You're not structured. You're not regimented. It's just a very easy flowing conversation. And, um, you cover a variety of topics. And like we talked before, um, you had the episode about the suicide and the suicide awareness. And that was like I said before, you know, it, it, it was eye opening for me. That was the thing that you know, it had nothing to do with paranormal, had nothing to do with cryptic, had nothing to do with ET, but it was something that spoke to me at my own personal level that, um, changed, you know, helped change my life. And, uh, for, you know, for that forever, I'll be grateful. But, um, so you're just not touching the people in the, in the cryptid community. You're not touching people in the ET community. You're going above and beyond and making, you know, mental health or, you know, other issues, you're making people aware of that. And I think that's, it's, it's admirable. It's, it's very, um, it, it's, it's good. People need that, especially nowadays. Um, it's easy to turn on the TV and say, Oh, you got a problem with this, take a pill for it. But to be able to call somebody like you and, and have a therapeutic session that, you know, you can, you can, you don't feel judged. You don't, you can just open up one come. 100% and be completely vulnerable and not be judged. It's, it's very rare, very rare that somebody wouldn't take like something I'm telling you and exploit it. Um, but just take it and share it with other people. Um, it's very commendable. And that's part of the reason I reached out to you. Well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. I, I, uh, that was a decision process early in the show too. I decided that, uh, for the most part, I was not going to edit a guest. If they said it, it goes on the show unless they message me afterwards and say, hey, can you take that part out? I feel uncomfortable or shouldn't have said that person's name. But uh, I, I don't I don't edit your, your what you say, because I, I, I personally believe that everything that you have to say has the possibility to change somebody's life. And if I take that out because to make the show shorter or, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. to make it more snappy, uh, it, it could ruin the opportunity to help somebody else out. Um, and so. I only ever changed. I, I only ever changed. I've never talked this much about my behind the scenes stuff before. No, but uh, I've I've only ever changed one guest, and it wasn't that I changed anything. Except it's that when I talked to him, he was extremely excited, and he, he and I recorded for about two and a half hours, and there was several times that he actually said the same story two, three times that he forgot he even told me the story. And so I, I went through and I took out this, the repeated stories and I actually shortened it from like two, two and a half hours down to like an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. And so, <laughs> but I figured, you know, the audience may not want to hear the same story two, three times, but, uh, you know, and, and you wouldn't have known if I, if I didn't say it, nobody would have known that I even did that. Um, but other than that, everybody just goes as is, you know, for the most part, every episode is educational. I learned something new. There's only been one time that you creeped me out. And that's when you had a recording where you went back and listened to it and there was a voice yeah. that you didn't, that I, I'm not going to lie. I shut it off and I'm like, can't do this right now. That Was that the one where we, we actually got disconnected and when we reconnected? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah that yeah. just, for whatever reason, that didn't set well with me. It's like, I have to be in the mood to listen to this. I can't do it right now. Yeah. That, that, that one blew my mind. I mean, uh, it, it's funny because people, I, so sometimes 
I'll get a, a cancellation email for memberships. And the reason is I can't sleep at night or I'm having bad <laughs> dreams. And I'm like, I, I should start taking screenshots of this. It'll be a blot their name out and stuff and their information, but just use it as promotional. Like, you know, I mean, I guess right. I'm doing my job. I, I, I have, uh, I think I've go, I've grown so accustomed to hearing people's stories that I, I really don't get creeped out a whole lot. And, and a lot of times I put out shows that people like will comment saying that was terrifying. And, and I, and I, I put it out fearing that people would be, you know, feel like it, it's, it was, it wasn't a good show or something. And that's why I just, I, I've reserved myself to the idea that I really don't know what the audience likes. I, so I just put out what I like and right. uh, hopefully they like it too, you know, because you go. it's just one of those things where everybody has their own cup of tea. Like, you know, there's people who only like Bigfoot stuff, only like paranormal stuff, UFO stuff. And, uh, you know, so if you're talking about Bigfoot and they're listening, but they're not really into it and stuff, they, they may not like it, you know, but maybe next week they'll like next week, you know? So it is what it is. But, um, yeah, man, listen, I, I appreciate you talking. And before I get carried away and we just wind up having a conversation that, that probably should be off air. So <laughs> uh, I do appreciate you coming on and, and chatting with me, man. I appreciate you having me. I really do. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it, because that's the best thing you can do to help this show grow. If you haven't done so yet, head on over to YouTube, to the Confessionals YouTube channel, and watch Expedition Dogman, the documentary. It's all listed right there on the channel. And give it a subscribe while you're there. Thank you very much. And until next week, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. Bye. Awakened from the forest in the depths of the abyss, this creature is a paradigm of time lost and time itself. It fears no one. It adheres to no rule that man can create. It forges its own path, and yet its path remains hidden from the world. The sphere of its existence is beyond most comprehension as it exudes its power quietly but transcendent. It needs no one's approval to exist, but yet its very existence is sought after by many. It watches. It learns. Adapts to the ever-changing environment around it, even as the environment is wrought with corruption. It battles the corruption only when pressed or for the protection of others like it. It is a mirage that few will ever understand. It's a cornucopia of knowledge from an era long past. It's free. It's Bigfoot. My fantasies always consisted of making it big. My soul was nothing more than a bargaining chip. Marketing is what they tell you to do and what you're willing to give. LARPing to the fullest extent. I don't wait, I shoot first like Han on a rodeo. And people don't understand me like reading a Nokian. Stretch thin, like pulling an accordion. My heart ain't primordium. All these Telling us lies, setting aside everything is medicalized. Politicians selling the ride, I better my die. Where the relevance lies, they dress in a light. Reptilians, my resilience is brilliant. I'm here to lead the rebellion on hellion, salient. Alien.